Is David Johnson the top running back to own next season? Can Isaiah Crowell be a top 15 running back in 2017? And what coaching change is going to have the biggest fantasy impact next season? Plus, sitting in for Dave Gerzak are the 2016 off-the-grid champions John Modap and Tom Zaretic talking about bidding with real cash on their draft slots in that format, how their strategy changed with the weekly skins awarded, and their performance, and much, much more. We've got a great show for you. John Modep and Tom Zaretic are here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your special Eric Balkman show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. Live from the WRST radio studios in beautiful Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and heard around the world on the WRST stream, it's the Eric Balkman Show. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host, the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle. Dave Gerzak is off this week, but sitting in for him tonight are a couple of more than qualified guests and veterans of the FFPC and Football Guys Players Championship the pair came up just short in the 2015 FFPC Off the Grid Challenge, finishing as the runners-up. But this year, they were able to win the league as well as the more than $10,000 in prizes that went with it from Team Chi-Town. Please welcome in my co-hosts for this evening, John Modef and Tom Zaretic. Gentlemen, thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have uh, have guests on that uh, that have won a lot of money, and clearly you guys did just that this year in the Off the Grid. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into how you won that league uh, and so much more. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll discuss uh, the forecast for the 2017 Kansas City backfield, how good Alshon Jeffrey could be next year in a new uniform, potentially, and what 2017 rookies will be the first drafted in Dynasty Leagues, plus much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Now, post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman. Uh, you can uh, post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash HSFFHour. And if you want to chime in and talk with myself, with John, or with Tom, give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, for John, for Tom, for myself, uh, get them to us now. Rob, our mutual friend and producer, and our audio engineer, Bryce, will get those questions uh, to us later on in the fantasy feedback section later on in the show. We want to uh, get into uh, fantasy football 
which is the crux of this show. And, and thanks for By the way, first of all, thanks for everybody who sent me the well wishes after the show last week. It was not a good situation for me. I tried to power through it, which is kind of stupid on my part. But Dave Gerzak, props to him. He did a great job talking with uh, 2016 Football Guys Players Champion uh, Mike Kuzma, who won the 250 grand. It was awesome to hear from him. And uh, thanks for all the, the well wishes. Thanks for tuning in on a Thursday night, too. I certainly appreciate everybody that uh, is hanging out with us uh, tonight uh, and uh, a day early. And then, of course, everybody who is listening uh, on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Saturday <laughs> afternoon. We certainly appreciate it as well. So let's get into it. Uh, guys, go ahead and uh, tell us uh, what you're doing for a living when you're not crushing the off-the-grid league in the uh, FFPC as well as the other uh, leagues that you play in. John, go ahead first, and then uh, Tom, go ahead and follow up after him. Well, <clears throat> Eric, we're, I live here in Illinois, uh, northern Illinois. I own a finance company called CFS. We do uh, car loans, personal loans, furniture loans. It uh, keeps me pretty busy. Uh, I do have a wife and three kids, but huge Chicago fan, so that's pretty much uh, what I do when I'm not playing fantasy football or going to Cubs games, that's for sure. Well, go Cubs, go. Big year for you guys. Congratulations yeah, yeah, for on, sure. that, on that World Series. Tommy's a Sox fan, so, yeah, Tommy's a Sox fan, <laughs> so he's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I got that Southside blood, yep. <laughs> well, it's good. I mean, you you guys, uh, you have the yin and the yang for baseball, and uh, clearly it worked out for you for uh, football as well, as, as you guys made enough correct decisions together to uh, to win the off the grid title this year ten thousand dollars in pro in the for the first place prize I know you guys won a few thousand more than that when you uh, uh, you count the skins uh, that were awarded weekly in that format so congrats on that uh, so let's get into this because a lot of the listeners and and honestly many of the FFPC players are not familiar with uh, how the off the grid works and in this format. You guys actually bid on your first two round draft slots. So you'll bid with real cash where you want to pick in the first round. You'll bid with real cash where you want to pick in the second round. Uh, tell me, uh, sort of take me through your strategy, John, uh, on what you wanted to do given this opportunity that you had to buy those two uh, first two draft slots. Tell me what the strategy was uh, on what you wanted to do with those and how yes. well you guys ended up executing it. Well, it was, it was a little weird year because I couldn't make it out to Vegas, so I was on the phone with Tom, and he was there. So we were uh, – our strategy was to try to get the best running back. And when the first three – the first uh, people bid on the first three selections, we thought that the four pick was our spot to go in and get David Johnson. We kind of targeted David Johnson from the start, you know, before the draft. So when uh, it came up to the fourth pick, you know, we chatted and said, you know, you know, we got to go after this pick right here and get David Johnson because the way people were, you know, and, and through the whole, you know, summer and, I, you know, doing some of the football guys and whatnot, I mean, receivers were – it was a receiver year, especially put, everybody put, you know, receivers at a premium. So they were flying off the board. So our strategy was, hey, let's get, let's get the top running backs. So we got, we got David Johnson with that fourth pick. You know, me and Tommy were, you know, continuing to chat, and, you know, and he was, we're, we're just watching it, you know, tight end, you know, Gronk comes off, you know, receivers, you know, you know, it's just receivers kept flying off the board. And when we got that chance, Tommy, like I said, Tommy could even talk about a little about in uh, that second round when we were on the phone and we we're like, you know, but man, Zeke Elliott's still sitting there. He's still sitting there. We got to go after and get this pick too. So I think we, hey, Tommy, yeah. do we have a fourth yeah. pick in the second round or what, what do we have in that second round? Uh, I believe so. I think it was again the fourth. I think we did uh, it was fourth and fourth, and and you know, and and what and 
to you know what to what John said, it's exactly true. I, I thought, you know, we saw a lot of receivers going off the board, and you know, at that point, you want to get the best quality pick for the best, you know, for that price. And um, uh, at that point, you know, it, it, to me, I think we always feel that we have to always solidify the running game. Running backs um, seem to be, a, you know, they're not a dime a dozen. Uh, the premium ones are very little. Uh, uh, there's only so many of those uh, opportunities out there, and uh, they just kept presenting themselves. Um, you know, we just, you know, you, you see the trend, and we kind of want to go against the trend in them situations. Are you going to go for the fifth best receiver, or are you going to go for the number one running back? And that kind of kind of presented itself in the second round as well. I felt, you know, at that point, hey, right, at that point, there may have been eight or nine receivers gone, a tight end gone, and you're mm-hmm. just like, you know, we have two flex positions, so we could start three running backs. And if you see what we did in the third round, I think maybe even a fourth Ingram round. In the third. <laughs> we, well, we Ingram could. in the third round, then we took Cam in the fourth. Yeah. Yeah, so um, and we still picked up Tevin Coleman and then Jay Ajayi, so we were we were running back heavy, that's for sure. <laughs> I think I yeah. think this this sort of it, it continue it continues the trend uh, of what we've seen this year, and especially as far as guests we've had on the show the last month or two uh, who have won big money in the FFPC this past season. They had running back dominant teams. They took running backs at the top of the draft, and it certainly paid off, especially you know, the year of the receiver. Uh, the running back really rose to the top, at least the healthy ones did. Um, and if you had them, you, you definitely did very well, like you guys did in this, uh, in this format. And one of the things about this format that I kind of touched on uh, at the top, Tom, was the weekly skins that are awarded in, uh, in the off-the-grid in the FFPC. Did the fact that, that these skins are being awarded every single week did that change the way that you guys drafted or even played the waiver wire at all? Or was, was that sort of irrelevant in the way that you guys built this team, Tom? Uh, you know, that you, 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 you bring up a good question. And um, you can see people may want to trend in that direction where they're motivated by those weekly skins. And I think uh, – the way we look at it is we go into leagues looking to win the championship. I mean, the money's great, uh, but we love titles. You know, we, we love bragging rights and we, we build teams with the idea of winning the title. And I think if you do that, I don't think the skins may, the weekly skins may take care of themselves. You know, they may materialize throughout the season, but, um, you know, if you're looking at weekly skins and you're looking for those big play players that can single-handedly win you games, and uh, you know sometimes those te- those players can give you 30 points in the game, and then next week give you three points. So um, I, I don't want to build my championship team based on that. I'm looking for consistency and solid performance, and and honestly, I think durability. It's something that needs to be factored in more and more now is the durability. When you have to look at the, uh, I think, the uh, players' bargaining agreements and you see how these players are not preparing themselves with the preseason games and there's all these injuries, you really got to find a guy who's solid and who's, you know, who's durable um, more now than ever before because of that collective bargaining agreement where – the players are only limited to how much they can practice in the preseason. 
John, let me uh, let me piggyback off that question a little bit because I think what what Tom brings up with with the durability concerns that's definitely true with running backs. I think it, you can also apply it to receivers as well. But the fact that that these prizes are being awarded on a week to week basis, did you guys find yourselves maybe tinkering with defenses, uh, trying to stream the right defense, or maybe you know getting the right kicker in the, in the right matchup in this format, or even streaming tight ends with, with maybe those lesser positions like kicker and defense? Did you guys find yourself? Yes. Uh, so find yourselves, John, sort of spending a little bit extra time there, or was that, you know, sort of like, oh, let's just play this like a regular season long, like a football guy's players championship, like a main event league, uh, and we won't mm-hmm. worry too much about kicker and defense. No, that's that's something we talked uh, talked about talked about quite often actually. The defenses and kicker, we were kind of tinkering around because we had a little bit of problem at kicker, and then our defenses, you know, with FFPC and the way the scoring is, is you know, you need defenses that are going to score, you know, maybe get you a touchdown or, you know, the high sack defense, of course, the high turnovers, which are in, you know, almost every fantasy league. But, you know, we did, that was one thing we did tinker with because our main core, you know, we were kind of, you know, we were kind of solid through our main core, but, you know, tight end position was, was a little weak. You know, we had Barnage, we had Zach Miller, you know, Barnage, you know, underperformed Zach Miller, Zach Miller really took off for us. Then he gets hurt like he does almost every year, which kind of stinks. And then Hunter Henry's there. So, you know, we had him. We were really tinkering with, you know, pretty much the kicker, defense, yeah, tight end, and also our, our receiver. Yeah, yeah, our, yeah. like second receiver we'd start every week, or even our first receiver was, was you know, something that we had to talk about and really, you know, try to look at matchups, but also just try to play the hot hand. And it hurt us a few weeks, but, you know, in the end it all worked out pretty well for us. You mentioned the receiver aspect, uh, John, and, and Tom, that's something I want to get into with this next question. You guys had a, a trio uh, of real real good uh, young receivers, young receiving talent on this team in three guys, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Parker, and Sterling Shepard. Coming into the year, uh, I think that uh, all three of those guys were certainly getting a, a, a significant amount of hype as, as far as where they were going in drafts. Uh, as we look forward to 2017, because now these guys all have another year of experience under their belts, which of those three between Diggs, Parker, and Shepard, uh, Tom, are, are you guys most likely to own next season? Huh. I, it's, that's, that's, that was a fun question to, to, to think about. Um, and it's, right off the bat, I had thought, you know, I had my mindset on Stefan Diggs because when he was, when he, but because of, you know, he was performing for us, um, when he was healthy pretty effectively where there was weeks where he had like 14 targets and he'd have 13 receptions. And, and those are some monster numbers when you're, when you're making that many catches on targets, I, I always look at that target to catch ratio and, uh, and, you know, and, and that's really a valuable uh, part to evaluating uh, these receivers. Um, but doing a little bit, and, and John might agree with me too. I, I I actually like Devontae Parker's upside. He's got some he's got the he's got a little gunslinger over there in Miami. Um, you know, he's got, you know, um uh the new head coach, you know, Adam Gazy, he's a he's a solid, you know, offensive whiz guy that uh, likes to get the ball, you know, moving around and Devontae's got some size and you know, it's just definitely potential, need, yeah, in my mind. Right, John? Do you agree? I mean, out of the three, is, is Devontae got some really huge upside? I think, you know, um, I don't know what you got in, he's got in New a, York he's got a, anymore. He's got to stay healthy, too. Yeah, he's really, you know, he's, right. 
his thing, he's, he comes he was dinged up season. in Louisville, and yeah, he's dinged up at Louisville. He's been dinged up in the pros, but if he's healthy, I mean, he's a he's a stud. I mean, he, he really is. He's, yeah, yeah. He's a game breaker. Yeah. He's a game breaker. There, where Sterling Shepard's more your more your possession. You know, possession can get deep, but I mean, if you're looking for a game breaker that can really, you know, get you a top ten receiver, maybe if I had to pick one of those guys to be a top ten receiver next year, I would pick Devontae Parker. Yeah, if you stay healthy, I, I think you know, he's got. Health, health, health. You know, no injuries. Uh, health wise, he could be. A, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. At the... <laughs> yeah, the talent is there. The pedigree is there, and I think you make a good point about Shepard. You know, he's obviously not going to be the number one on that team as long as uh, uh, mm-hmm. Beckham is there. And uh, I, I think Diggs. You, you saw this year. Uh, he, the main value for him was was all the targets that he got, and he turned a, a lot of uh, small catches into good PPR performances. But he didn't. Uh, exhibit that breakaway speed uh, or game-breaking ability, uh, save for the, the, I believe, the Packers game this year. He really, uh, the first Packers game this year, he really had a great game. But um, outside of that, you know, he was sort of um, in, in that um, non-explosive category. And I think Parker, uh, to me, is the guy uh, out of those three that, like I said, if he stays healthy, he's got the best shot at being a top-ten receiver. John, you also had a team uh, finish out of out of 7,000 7, teams in the Football Guys Players Championship, John. You had a team finish in the top 100. Congrats on that. That is certainly uh, something Thank to you. hang your hat on as well. In that league, you picked uh, eighth overall. You get David Johnson at the 108, and then uh, when it comes around to you in the second round, you get Devontae Freeman, two guys that really, really uh, played up to, uh, and exceeded their draft value this year. Asking you to look in the crystal ball a little bit into 2017, but how likely is it, uh, do you think, that, that you'll be able to get that kind of running back value at, the, at those two points in the draft again next year? Um, David Johnson, I think there's no chance he lasts to the eighth pick in the first round. I think he'll be easily a, you know, probably, in my mind, top three pick. I mean, if not overall number one, I mean, he's going to be fighting with, you know, the Le'Veon Bells, the, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, still even the Antonio Browns and whatnot. So I think he's going to be, you know, a top three pick. Now, Freeman, I think, you know, that spot in the second round, I think he'll be there because he has, he has Tevin Coleman pushing him. So he, you know, you're looking at quite a, you know, you're looking at a split workload there and they might even, you know, start to push even harder towards more of a Tevin Coleman in Atlanta. I mean, we'll see, but I mean, they're both very explosive, but you know, they're both putting up numbers and Devonte Freeman's been the go-to guy on that team this year, but I think they might start trending more to the Tevin Coleman aspect of that team with his, you know, with his size and some of his, you know, quick one cut running that, that he does well, which Freeman does well also, but that's what would scare me with, you know, that not them scare me as much, but I mean, value wise, I think Freeman is a definite, Number two, you know, second round, you know, second round, mid second round, even late second rounder. Where I don't know if I'd take him high, you know, high second round again. John, does John does uh, the does the um, off season if Kyle uh, Shanahan is gone, does, would that impact who? Oh, yeah. would be the yeah. next <laughs> offensive OC over there in Atlanta? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It depends who they sign and if he's going to be dedicated to you know that style of football which they're accustomed to in Atlanta right now. You mean? You know, they're they're on a yeah. they're, they're on a freight train right now. Yeah, <laughs> they're really clicking. They are clicking on all cylinders. Yeah. When, when you think about uh, let, let's just friend. briefly touch on the Kyle Shanahan aspect because it it sounds like he is uh, going to be the next head coach of the 49ers and uh, he mm-hmm. will leave behind uh, that high powered Falcons uh, offense that he did 
uh, run so well the last couple of years, especially this year. And not a lot of people are talking about how good that Atlanta offense uh, was uh, this year. It led the NFL in points per game. It was fantastic. And, you know, we look at – we don't know who the new coordinator is going to be. We don't know who's going to step in. But, but and I'll, Tom, Tom I'll, I'll pose this question to you. If Shanahan leaves, what, what do you think are the big takeaways – from that Falcons offense. Julio is going to be a stud. Matt Ryan's going to be a stud. What changes uh, initially off the top of your head if Shanahan leaves? Uh, you know, I think the, the consistency, um, uh, the communication between coach and, and, and quarterback, uh, there's always that trust value. And uh, <clears throat> you see it a lot of times where quarterbacks are bumping heads with their OC coach and offensive coordinator. And, on certain, you know, um, plays and certain downs and, um, you know, distances. And uh, so that, that camaraderie, that flow, that, that, you know, the connection, you know, that can have an impact, as you've seen, like, with some teams in the past. I mean, I think, um, I think I remember this was a problem with that team a year or so ago when Kyle was there that, you know, I think him and Matt Ryan were bumping heads and, and there's a story about how they had a you know you know get together in the off season to try to get that you know cohesiveness between the two and uh so that I think that you know those intangibles uh that have to be you know mentioned or at least acknowledged, I think you have to be concerned about that i I think you the the Davante Freeman is going to be Freeman, and Coleman's going to be coleman and and Matt Ryan's going to be Matt Ryan, but you know if there's that if there's that missing link of communication and um, that could have a, that can backfire. I mean, I think you, big Ben had that problem a couple of years ago with coach Haley um, coming there and then look at where they're at today. So there's that trust factor between the offensive coordinator and the quarterback that you, you really hope for. And you got to, it, it can really be different from being a good team or a good offense to a great offense. I think. Yeah, certainly, uh, I totally agree that the trust factor is so important between uh, head coach and OC, as well as uh, head coach quarterback and uh, OC quarterback. You guys obviously had a trust factor uh, this season as we are talking with John Modef and uh, Tom Zarudic, the off-the-grid champs in the FFPC for 2016, $10,000 winners. We are going to uh, take our first break. When we come back, we'll talk about the top three stud running backs as we enter 2017 drafts. You're listening to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour with Eric Walkman, Tom Zarudic, and John Modaff here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, those are the top three running backs at the top of 2017 rankings for many, many fantasy sites. I am Eric Balkman. You are listening to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. John Modaff and Tom Zaretic are my guests tonight, my co-hosts actually, sitting in for Dave Gerzak. They are the 2016 FFPC off-the-grid $10,000 winners. And, John, let's uh, talk a little bit about the running backs as we uh, look uh, how the first round will shape up in FFPC drafts next year. You already talked about David Johnson because he was your first round pick in the uh, off the grid format. He was also uh, the, the first round pick that you had in your football guys players championship team that finished in the top 100. If you're taking a, a, a running back in the first round next year and you have your pick of Johnson, Bell and Elliott, which one are you going with? Is it Johnson again, knowing what we know now and assuming full health uh, at, at, at draft time for these three guys, or is it somebody else? 
Um, I would probably lean Le'Veon Bell right now just because the offense he plays. And if, you know, pending he is, you know, a free agent, but I can't see him signing somewhere else. But, you know, with, with that offense, you know, the Arizona Cardinal question is, you know, they had, a, they had quite a down year with the age of Larry Fitzgerald, Carson Palmer's age, you know, his health questions, you know, with him getting hurt. I mean, he's the main guy, but, you know, if you, you know, I, I don't think you'd go wrong with either of the three. I mean, I would love to have either of those three again, but if you pin me down and said, who do I take? I mean, Le'Veon Bell is just, he gets so many targets coming out of the backfield as well. When you're PPR, you know, David Johnson does too, but sometimes Bell's getting you nine, 10 catches plus a hundred yards rushing. So it's, it's something that, you know, we'll see what they do next year with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott and Dallas, where if they try to get him the ball a little bit more coming out of the backfield, you know, he's got that potential to be the 2,000-yard rusher and still catch 60 balls. But I think Le'Veon could catch 80 to 100 balls in a full season as well as rushing for 1,500, 1,600 yards. So I think I would go with Yeah, he definitely, I mean, as important as Antonio Brown is to the Steelers, Bell certainly is the focal point of that offense. Mm-hmm. And certainly if, if, uh, if you're looking at it from a PPR standpoint, he already had the quote earlier this week uh, stating that he wants to transition to receiver uh, once uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the brunt and, and the wear and tear of uh, the running back position uh, takes away some of his uh, ability to be out there as much as he has been. So that's good. Uh, and he certainly is a very good pass catcher as well. So Le'Veon Bell makes a lot of sense at the 101. Uh, Tom, let's let's talk a little Kansas City Chiefs here because this is a team that is already transitioning to next season after their elimination from the playoffs by the Pittsburgh Steelers this past Sunday. The backfield to me is interesting, and I think that this is one that is going to be important for fantasy owners to get right next season if they want to win their league or if they want to win uh, you know, a national contest. Who do you think the Kansas City running back is uh, that you want to own in 2017? Is it Jamal Charles coming off uh, the injury? Is it Spencer Ware, who actually came out of nowhere uh, this season to, to become a top five back when he was healthy? He, he sort of petered out as the season went on. Uh, or is it somebody else that's maybe not even on the roster yet, a free agent, a rookie? What do you think the Chiefs will be doing as far as their main guy in the backfield next year? Well, I, they've got two – those are two talented running backs, with you know, and, and the way they they like to run the ball. Um, I, coach, you know, I think uh, I, it's a tough call. I, I, I'd be a little tentative to – pull the trigger on Jamal Charles, um, uh, maybe later rounds, you know, I think, you know, I would take a, a gamble on him, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't take a chance on investing a high round on uh, Jamal Charles. He, he's kind of going on almost two whole years of not playing now. And, uh, and that's not his first injury. So um, I, I think there's just too many risks involved with that. So I, if I had to pick one, it would be without a doubt I would go with Spencer Ware. Um, <clears throat> he seems to have been more durable. He's had some pretty decent games. Uh, I think I've lost a couple close ones because of his, some of uh, maybe on some of his performances this year, but even I remember going back to the season before when he just sprang out of nowhere and was just putting up some um, some good fantasy points. So I would go with Spencer Ware. I, I don't know what this Kansas City pick up another running back. They've got these two to work with, and 
with Jamal Charles having a whole nother seat year to get healthy, uh, I think they're going to be okay at running back. I, I wouldn't invest in a high draft pick on another running back if I was Kansas City. John, let me let me ask you this. Uh, do you think, uh, you know, as Tom was touching on that, that he believes Spencer Ware is the guy to own, and I think I would agree with him at this point in the season because we just don't know, uh, you know, what their plans are. But as we look at Spencer Ware being the lead back for Kansas City next year, do you think Jamal Charles can be a successful change of pace guy, maybe a third down guy as they work him back in, uh, maybe even a 50-50 timeshare between uh, Ware and, and Charles, or is this, I mean, is it really possible that we could be saying that, no, Jamal Charles is done. I mean, he's not going to be a significant contributor anymore in fantasy football. He, you know, I, without knowing the exact specifics of, you know, I knew he had the ACL, ACL injury and then coming back, he had some problems and I, I, you know, and don't quote me on this, but I do. Th- I think it was a little bit nerve-related where he he wasn't getting that response from his knee. When you hear any of that, any of that kind of talk, especially out of a running back, that really scares you. Now, you know, I'm not I'm not in KC. I'm not in tuned as much to knowing exactly what's going on with him. But if he comes back healthy, I I think he could be a hell of a back. But I mean, you're really rolling the dice with trying to pick him anywhere in the top half of any draft. I mean, you take a stab at him, eighth, ninth, yeah. you know, eighth, ninth round or something, you're there, but he just, you know, he's, he's the guy that can, you know, he's broken a lot of hearts over the last few years. And it's he's one that, you know, you start seeing running backs, like Tommy said, you're looking at like two years off and, you know, he's, he's already a pretty thin running back as it is, is he's, you know, I mean, he's not taking the wear and tear, but also, what has that done to, you know, you start getting the psyche aspect of it when you look at knees. You know, I've, I've had you know, reconstruction, knee surgery on each knee, and it really messes with your head, especially when he keeps getting hurt and hurt and hurt. You know, that takes that fire away from a lot of guys. But, you know, there's guys that it does put fire in, you know, fire in their gut. But I really think, yeah. that, you know, KC should focus with Spencer Ware and then hope maybe that Jamal Charles comes back. I don't know what his cap hit is. I mean, I could see them even releasing Jamal Charles, depending on his his health and what kind of cap hit he's going to have on him next year. Yeah, that's well, true. Let's... We don't know what his um, – what's interesting to see what his um, what his price tag is. And uh, Yeah, you know, it's got to be big because he signed a pretty big deal a few years back. Yeah. And they're probably a very... third or fourth year. Yeah, I mean, it could be a very important decision that Kansas City is going to have to face when you when you think about how important Charles was to that organization, not just for uh, you know fantasy aspects, but just as a chief and, and making that franchise go and, and making that offense go. Uh, that will be a tough decision if they do have to face it this off season. Tom, let's let's shift focus back to two guys who will be drafted ahead of Jamal Charles this year and in uh, the top end of, of fantasy drafts, no doubt. Uh, they are both members of the Houston Texans in Lamar Miller and DeAndre Hopkins. The offense really underwhelmed. It disappointed a lot of people in 2016. Uh, the Texans uh, eliminated by the Patriots this past weekend in the playoffs. They're looking to retool for next year. At this point, would you be willing to draft DeAndre Hopkins or Lamar Miller in the first or second rounds in drafts this summer if you ha- if you were faced with the opportunity or if, you know, if any of the listeners were faced with that opportunity, taking Hopkins or Miller that early? Or are, are these two guys that – you're going to shy away from because of the questions at quarterback, because of how the offense really suffered this year. 
are they two guys to avoid for you? Or, you know, is one good, one bad? What are your thoughts on those two uh, Texans? It's an interesting scenario over there in Houston. And uh, um, every, everybody saw how the season kind of materialized and unraveled. I think, um, <clears throat> I think Brock is not the answer. Um, I'm not sure if he can even retool his mechanics to be that, that guy. Um, and, and, and it really impacted, uh, you know, D hops, um, value in fantasy football. I would, I would stay away with, away from both of those in the first two rounds and let those two be someone else's headaches. I, I, I don't know. I think Lamar Miller still, I'm not sold on him. I, he comes out of Miami. I think in Miami, he never even got 20 touches and, um, you know, I, something to be said about that. And I think you, you saw sometimes uh, he would disappear a lot um, throughout the season and uh, in games. And um, really, I don't think he gave you that significant impact number one running back punch that you, you were hoping to get, which people drafted him in the first round this year. And, uh, and I think you'll get more of the same. I, I, I think he's a good running back um, with a good running, with a good running back coach mentality and a good, line but it I don't know for some whatever reason it doesn't seem to add up and uh uh if Brock you know can't get the ball down and it's not gonna you know D hop's not gonna get his hands on some of those you know passes that are over going over his head. I his if you look at again I mentioned earlier about the target to catch ratio. There's a perfect example where he you, you see D hop would get like four catches on like twelve targets. He just can't have that in inefficiency and try to be successful in see football. Let's, um, let's get to – we're going to get to some, some listener emails later on in the show, but I do want to get a, a couple of, out of the way right now. Um, and, Tom, I'll, I'll pitch this first one to you. This is from Steve in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, he writes, what are the chances that Jordan Howard is a true three-down back in fantasy next year? And if he is, how high do you think you would draft him? Congrats on the grid championship. That is Steve in Jacksonville, Florida. Thank you for the email, Steve. Uh, Tom, Jordan Howard was fantastic this, this year uh, coming out of Indiana. The second leading rusher in the NFC. Might have been the second leading rusher in the NFL. Uh, now I think of it behind Ezekiel Elliott. But as you look at what the Bears plan on doing uh, in 2017, as far as uh, the backfield goes, is Howard the three-down guy there? And how high will he go in drafts? Well, we are from Chicago. It's our hometown team, so we definitely feel like we got a little bit better insight on uh, on, on our hometown team than most. And uh, uh, it, it is a it is a good question. I, I I think he definitely can be a three down back, and he's a workhorse with some with some nifty footwork that he can get through some openings, some little openings, and he can explode through some of those holes. So. Uh, you just saw his development was just amazing as the season progressed. And, you know, he's going to be trending really high, I think, in the off season, And, and for good reason. Uh, we had some serious injuries in, in, on the offensive side as well as the defensive side, but we had some serious injuries, and yet he, we were still able to be productive. And I think that has something to be said about the head coach, and you know the, that that running back and the head coach's philosophy. So, with you know if John Fox is there and 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 Howard's there, you're going to get 
production out of this guy. And, uh, you know, I would love to get him in the second round, but, um, you know, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't know, first round, maybe late first round, but I would love to see him in the second round. But I say late first round. I mean, off the top of my head, thinking now, you know, the running backs and receivers out there, I, I can see him trending as high as a late first round. Uh, I'd like to see him maybe in the second round, and, and that's golden to me. If I can get him, like, you know, middle of the, middle of the second round, I'd love it. I'd be shooting John, what, that, do you, but, what do you think of, uh, about Howard when, when, you, when you think of his ceiling next year? Is, it, is a top five running back season out of the question for him? Can he do that? And is he the type of guy that if he is going to have that type of season that you guys, uh, or if you believe that he's going to have that type of season, is he the type of guy that you guys would look at if you had a late first round pick and getting him uh, at the turn or, you know, needing to take him at the turn in the second round, uh, you know, at like the 203, the 204, somewhere around there. Uh, do you think that this is what we can expect or at least hope for with Jordan Howard next year? Yeah, I, I definitely think he has the ability. I mean, we gotta we got to solidify the quarterback position in Chicago or get some kind of stability um, in that position. But the offensive line, we've got a, you know, we've got a stellar center of the offensive line coming back in Chicago. Need a little bit of a, you know, right tackle slash maybe some more help on the left side, left tackle. But he's a guy that he always falls forward. I mean, if, you know, the Bears weren't good this year. So a lot of people didn't probably watch tons of Bears games. But he's a guy that it, when you watch a running back and he, he always is going forward. You know, that, that's something that's a very good key. When he, when he gets hit, he's going to get that extra yard. When he's, you know, out wide, if he if he's, you know, can get around somebody, he's going to get, you know, he, he's going to get that extra five yards, maybe break a tackle, but and he's a guy that can catch the ball. I'd like to see him, you know, personally, you know, I'd like to see him maybe lose five, 10 pounds, you know, similar to what Le'Veon Bell did. You know, Le'Veon Bell was that bigger back, but I mean, if he could, you know, maybe take five, 10, you know, 15 pounds off him, I think it could even make him more explosive and even better in the pass game. So I do think yeah. that end of the first round is a, is, is a pretty good spot for him if, the stability is there. I mean, if, you know, if Chicago, if we're going into the season next year with Matt Barkley as our quarterback, it's going to be tough because you yeah, know, yeah, teams point, are going to have a, yeah, a whole year. You know, you, it's on, almost, you know? It's, isn't that like Todd Gurley almost? I mean, it's, yep. you know, where, you know, they don't have a, they don't have a passing game, then they're going to stack the box and you, you'll see Howard's, you know, numbers diminish, but I mean, we, we really need some type of, uh, passing game and like you said John if Barkley's the man at the helm you know and and, and Jeffries is gone uh, for a free agency then you got to factor that in they have to have some type of uh, passing threat uh, to yeah you got to otherwise you'll have a Todd Gurley situation where they're stacking the box and and stop the run and and go man to man on the uh, receivers and and see if you could beat us well, great points. Uh, I certainly appreciate that insight. And I know Stephen Jacksonville, uh, Florida, appreciates that insight as well. The next email, we're actually going to keep it in the NFC North and talk uh, about uh, another running back, sort of a new running back. Uh, this is Kenny in Cincinnati, Ohio, writing, do you guys think Green Bay keeps Ty Montgomery at running back next year 
who will be the guy to own in that backfield in 2017. John, I'll let you take this one. Uh, but when you look at the Packers' backfield, Eddie Lacy's a free agent. James Starks is a free agent. Ty Montgomery was moved uh, to running back sort of uh, out of necessity this year, uh, you know, after all the running backs went down. Kristen Michael uh, was is, is certainly, you know, they're not married to him long term, so he could be gone as well. Uh, and this is a deep running back draft as well. So as you look at uh, sort of prognosticate the Packers' backfield next year, is Montgomery a part of it, and is he the guy to own in Green Bay as far as the running backs go in 2017? Uh, I, do, I do not think he's their long-term answer. I do think, you know, I think Eddie Lacy is gone. I think his time in uh, time in Green Bay is, is definitely over. I mean, he's going to sign with somebody else. Starks is, you know, up there in age. He's, you know, he's very – he's hurt all the time. I mean, I think that's something that the Green Bay does. I think they go after a young, a young kid in the draft, maybe, you know, maybe in the second, third, fourth round. You know, they might go out and, you know, try to pick up a free agent. You know, I mean, I you know, stuff you've heard, too. You never know. I mean, you're looking at guys like Adrian Peterson. You know, he might be a stopgap guy that, you know, he might want to put it to Minnesota if they don't want to sign him. I mean, Green Bay, why not want to go and try to put it there in Rodgers? But I don't think Ty Montgomery is their starting running back next year. That would, that would, that would shock me if he is. Just because, you know, he did play running back at Stanford a little bit. He was, you know, he was kind of a – do everything guy when he was over there in Stanford receiver slot back played some you know played tailback a little bit but I don't think he's a long-term answer you know he had a he had his best game against the Bears which you know hurt me in one league pretty pretty bad (laughs) I think 162 yards or 100 and I I don't know the exact numbers there but you know that was the best game of the year in Soldier Field and it was you know, but you know, I, I would be shocked if he is the starting running back in Green Bay next year. That would that would be very shocking to me. For yeah, fantasy, it's obviously going to be a, a relevant conversation who that running back is going to be in Green Bay because the Packers' offense has been very, very good the past few years, and especially the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now, it's been great. As you look at uh, that running back uh, situation next year in Green Bay, Tom, do you believe that the guy? to own that will be drafted highest is actually probably going to be drafted this year into the NFL. Is it like John said, a day two, you know, a second, third round pick that ends up leading the Packers in uh, backfield touches in 2017? I do. I think it's going to be an off season move um, in a draft or um, free agency. I don't know, it, but definitely they're going to, they're going to scrap what they're, what they're working with and they're going to start fresh. And uh, no better way to do that than find a talent, uh, you know, in, in the in the uh, draft. And uh, um, and I, I think, you know, their system is, you know, some uh, you know a system where you know they it takes a lot of you know if it's a running back, say a high high picked running back in the draft, uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of pressure on that player. You got Aaron Rodgers there. You got the passing game. You know, I think whoever can come in there can blossom. You know, and 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 you know the organization and, and if Aaron Rodgers and the fan base, you know, embrace that player, he can develop into what they need. And so I think it's going to have to come from the draft. Honestly, I think they're going to have to maybe make some moves, try to move up the draft list. You know, target some of the better running backs in it. Uh, and, and go that direction. 
yet another compelling uh, situation and story to follow in the offseason as uh, it is fast approaching here for fantasy owners. Guys, uh, let's, you've been so gracious with uh, a lot of your prognostications for next year, but let's, uh, let's get a little specific here and uh, give us a guy that you think, as of right now, and obviously we have a whole offseason in front of us, a lot can happen, but as you look at how the NFL is shaping up for this coming season right now, give us a guy that you think might be a little bit overdrafted next year based on how he finished this past season, and then another guy who might be flying under the radar uh, when drafts uh, start uh, you know, kicking up into gear May, June, July. Uh, a guy that uh, maybe might be underdrafted when satellites start up even in February. John, I'll let you go first with, uh, with, your, uh, with your two guys, and then uh, Tom, go ahead with your two right after that. Okay. Um, yeah, looking at, you know, this is a great question because, there, you know, there's always guys that really, you know, you see guys that people fall in love with after a few games or even a season, but I'm going to, the guy I'm going to say is going to probably be overdrafted is a guy that has been a high draft pick many times is LaShawn McCoy. He is a, he's a guy that has broken so many hearts in his day as far as with his injuries and whatnot, but, you know, he had a hell of a year now. Again, you know, that there's turmoil there in Buffalo. But, you know, somebody's going to take him up high. Probably, it might even be in the first round because, you know, he had a hell of a year this year. But with his injury risk, with the turmoil in coaches, I think I think next year is going to be a very down year for LaShawn McCoy. And that's, that's one guy I don't want to touch next year. I mean, as of right now, I mean, of course, things could change a bit. But his injury risk and his, you know, you know the turnover in coaches, who knows who the quarterback's going to be. I mean, look at Tyrod Taylor. Might be a bear next year. You know, he could be a a forty nine. I mean, there's you know he's he's being shopped and whatnot, or they might just you know release him. But he's the guy that you know I think he's going to be drafted too high. I mean, I'll take another little, another little tidbit. I hope I don't take Tom's guy, but a guy like Tyree Kill, I think, will be overdrafted. And you see, teams are starting to figure him out a little bit. But I think some people might you know, fall in love with some of that big playability. But, you know, he's a guy that I think could maybe get you, you know, you could look at weeks where he might have one catch for eight yards and really be putting you behind eight ball. Um, guys, you know, when I was look, just kind of looking at stuff, just, you know, brainstorming a little bit on guys that I think might fly under the radar. Um, you know, a guy I talked about earlier, a guy like Tevin Coleman. I mean, I really think that he's going to, you know, depend on the offensive coordinator, I just think he's going to get that might explode next year and might be able to take that job from Freeman, you know, if it, if it gets down to it. I mean, they're both excellent, but I think he's a guy that might fly under the radar. And another kid, you know, similar, you know, in that New York Giants backfield, a guy like Paul Perkins. I mean, is he going to get the reins in New York? I think he has a, he has the ability to, you know, with, with a year of seasoning under his belt to maybe break out next year with the ability to catch the ball. You know, he, he did quite a bit of that, you know, in college and even this year, but, you know, those are a couple of running backs I think could definitely, you know, definitely break out and be in the, you know, I'm not, I don't think, you know, I don't think, you know, Tevin, if he had, you know, injuries could be a, you know, a top five, top 10 back, but, you know, Perkins has that ability to be a, a, a very, very serviceable, good starter for you. You know, they could catch quite a few balls and, you know, get you some, get you some, some yards there, you know, later in the draft next year. I'll hand it over to Tom, see what he's got. Yeah. <laughs> He 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 stole a couple of mine there. And, oh uh, man, I did. <laughs> great minds you know, think alike. Great minds, great minds think alike. Right, right. Shy town. <laughs> so I, I think uh, 
overdrafted uh, to add to what John says, so I don't say the same thing over again. I would then a couple other names that I are high on my list uh, is like a Todd Gurley. I, I think people are going to still look at him as this great number one, this number one RB number one, if not RB number two. You you it'll trend that way, and uh, I just don't like anything that's going on over there. And unless they revamp a lot of stuff in the off season, just basing it on what we know now, uh, I think he may go too high. I think uh, Lamar Miller may go yeah. too high, you know. And uh, I, you know what? Also, another one is I, Demarco Murray, and and I had him in in John's big money league here in <laughs> Chicago, um, which I actually won three years in a row. But that's another story. Another, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, John, you can talk a little bit about that, you know, if you like. But uh, I don't, rem- I don't uh, remember that. Sorry, I don't remember. Those. <laughs> so uh, we we had Demarco Murray, and and we and he 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 shined, he produced. But what I saw happen towards the end of the season is, you know, uh, Henry kept being a vulture down there in the red zone, and they drafted Henry high for a reason, and Demarco really gave them a lot. Uh, he could be based on his performance this year, get maybe drafted a couple of rounds too high. And you wonder what's really going on over there because they, they really like their uh, Henry. So I'd be careful about that um, and, and keep a close eye on how things are, um, you know, playing out in the uh, preseason over there with those two running backs. Um, so overdrafted, I, I say Gurley, Miller, Lamar Miller, Todd Gurley, and DeMarco Murray. Um, under the radar, one that I don't know why I feel connected with this one is Calvin Benjamin. I, I feel like um, he last year he didn't play because he was hurt. This year, this past season, he, he did pretty good. But he, he had a Cam Newton that just seemed to be off all season. I think their offensive line was weak. Uh, Cam was running a lot for his life and getting smacked around. And I think if, if – if, Carolina solidifies that offensive line. You're going to get a Cam Newton that we saw the year before, and that's going to be an opportunity for Calvin Benjamin to um, capitalize on. Um, another one off the radar, uh, I, something with New England and receivers uh, and just players in general just redeeming themselves and having a new, you know, uh, new uh, energy to their career, however you want to – Worded, but I think with Michael Floyd stays there, I'd like be interested to see what what happens there with New England and Michael Floyd and with Tom Brady at the helm. It's really interesting to see what could happen there. I keep an eye on that. And uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, up. Michael Floyd. My, Michael Floyd <laughs> too a, is a guy that we've talked we, we've talked about him on the show ever since he got signed by New England, and and, and there's certainly. Uh, a lot of potential there. I, I think that uh, that's that's a keen eye on that one, Tom. You know, he's going to be a free agent, but it, it sounds like New England wants him back. And obviously, you know, he's going to have an opportunity uh, on, on national TV to, to make a name for himself when they take on the Steelers on Sunday night, too. So I think that that is going to be a guy 
that we're going to pay attention to. We're definitely going to pay attention to what John Modaf and Tom Zaretic are saying tonight because they won the FFPC off the grid in 2016, more than $10,000 in prizes. Uh, when we're going we're gonna to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, about some of the news going on around the NFL right now and how it affects your fantasy teams for this coming season. Eric Balkman on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. John Modev and Tom Zaretic from Team Chi-Town, the 2016 FFPC Off the Grid champions. More than $10,000 went into their pockets thanks to that big win. Congratulations to you guys, and thanks so much for hanging out, sitting in for my normal co-host Dave Gerzak on the show tonight. Let's get into some news. Uh, quickly mentioned, there are plenty of Dynasty Orphan teams at myffpc.com. Check those out on the forums. The picks, the players, they're all listed on there. And uh, feel free to email Dave, dave at myffpc.com with your best offer. Uh, some of them have been flying off the shelves pretty quickly. Uh, others uh, are still out there. So, you know, uh, sometimes your best offer will get taken by Dave, as he always says. Depends on the kind of mood he's in. So check that out at myffpc.com. Thanks to Football Guys, Roto World, Roto Pass, and Rob for tonight's rundown. First up, Adam Thielen, the Minnesota Vikings receiver, going to be a restricted free agent at season's end, according to SportTrack.com. Thielen will be tendered. It probably will not be a fourth, uh, excuse me, the original round tender because he is a fourth-year undrafted free agent. He is set to be the Vikings' number two receiver to start 2017. He'll be competing with Laquan Treadwell for that spot behind Stephon Diggs. Uh, Thielen definitely showed that he has the chops to play in the NFL and play very well. John, as we look at that Minnesota Vikings receiving core, does Adam Thielen hold off Laquan, uh, Laquan Treadwell for the majority of the 2017 season to be the second wide receiver drafted from Minnesota? Oh, that's a great question. Laquan, you know, they picked him in the first round last year. He's a uh, another local product here in Illinois. You know, went down to Ole Miss, but he's He's got the talent now. He, he, something didn't click this year for the kids. So this offseason is going to be very important for him. Now, on pure talent, I think Laquan Treadwell should be the number two guy in Minnesota. But Adam Thielen really made a name for himself late in the year down, you know, up in Minnesota. And he, he's there. Now, if I had to roll the dice, I think they really want Treadwell to be the number two guy. And that means a lot when you're GM, your your coach. I think they really want him to be the second guy and I think he can so you know if I was a bet man I think Treadwell would be number two next year when we look at uh, the Redskins they're going to have some decisions to make uh, with their receivers as well as it might be a bit of a transition next year for Washington uh, Pierre Garcon is one of them he is a uh, going to be a free agent or actually excuse me he is not scheduled to be a free agent but he might be released from his contract in Washington he says that he doesn't want to be called a possession receiver because he can do more than what Washington asked him to do within the constraints of that offense this past season John Keim uh, from ESPN.com reporting this he had a 13.1 yard per catch average. That was 49th in the league. Deshaun Jackson led the NFL with a 17.95 yard per catch average. Of course, they were both teammates in Washington, fulfilling different roles for Kirk Cousins and that uh, Redskins offense. Playing the possession role was what Garcon was asked to do. He did it very well. His yard per catch average was a three-yard rise from his average uh, for his Washington career there. Now, as we look at uh, how this affects fantasy, 
This is a guy that might be on a different team next year, a guy who um, might be playing a little bit of a different role uh, on his new team, in his new offense. Tom, if he is released, if he is on a new team, are we undervaluing Pierre Garçon a little bit right now based on what we assume his skill set to be in 2017? No. No, I don't think so. <clears throat> I think Garcon is Pierre Garcon is who we we know him to be. Uh, I think, you know, he's up there in age, um, you know, and uh, I, I think that 13.1 yards per catch, I, I think his last few games of the season really jacked it up. I I think I took a brief look at that once. I remember he was his last few games he averaged like 24 yards a catch or something ridiculous. So I thought that might have increased that average. Um, but if you look at a, at the, his body of work the whole year, you know, if you're looking at, you know, I, I think he can excel very well as a possession receiver and have a, a very long extended career. But I think, you know, players are going to want to self-promote themselves and say they can do more than they can. And everyone, and they all think they can. It's an alpha male kind of business where they all want to be dominating and, and they have to sell themselves. But, uh, I think he should just, you know, if he just focuses on that and, and just make and, and, and executes that position and tries to perfect it, he can he can really extend his career. And I, so I think if it, he has, I don't know, you know, I, I think of him like an Anquan Bolden, you know, um, just think someone who can, you know, be productive um, and, uh, you know, be a possession receiver. I, I, I think that's what you see is what you get. I don't know if you can get more than that. He, I think he's like 30 years old too, so I think he's kind of up there in age and got some tread on those uh, tires. I think he left, so I think he could he could do okay at that uh, at that um, at that position. So I, I I think if he stays in Washington, it's not going to be any better or any worse. I think Washington needs to improve their running game. Um, I think they have a, they have they're kind of crowded at the receiver position. I think. You got Reed out there. You got Crowder. You got Djax. So I don't know. It's it's iffy to me if he could be anything more than what he is. John uh, Isaiah Kroll is going to be a uh, restricted free agent for the Cleveland Browns uh, this upcoming season. 198 rushing attempts, 952 rushing yards, 40 catches, 319 receiving yards all career highs uh, this past season. Do you think that it's possible the Browns turn Crowell into a top 15 fantasy running back this coming year, or were those numbers closer to, you know, maybe his ceiling than, than we'd like to admit. And uh, he actually outperformed what he will, uh, what his production will be this coming year. I think he can improve on the numbers. Uh, I said a top 15 back. I think it's very attainable for, Isaiah Crowell, I mean, you know, look at their quarterback. Would they go through five or six this year if they had playing quarterback for Cleveland? You know, and he's still average almost, what, five yards a carry? That's uh, that's that's pretty good for, for a team that's, you know, on his, the fourth, fifth strings quarterback. And, you know, it doesn't seem like Duke Johnson is panning out to be exactly what they want. So I think that that job, you know, with keeping him, I think that, you know, he runs hard. He hits the holes. You know, they got a great left tackle over there in Cleveland. You know, they're trying to build a few more – you know, get some more offensive linemen there, but I think I think it easily get get into that thirteen hundred range, you know, thirteen hundred yards rushing, maybe catch forty, fifty balls, you know, just depending on, you know, if they want to bring Duke Johnson in on those third downs, you know, that could affect his production. But 
I definitely think he could be a top 15 back. And, you know, I think it'd be smart for them to keep him, you know, to, to, you know, to have that guy that they can rely on. Let's talk about Alshon Jeffrey here, Tom. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent this off season, missed four games this year due to a PED suspension. But while he was on the field, uh, he looked pretty good uh, despite the constant uh, changing a quarterback uh, that Chicago had this year. Jeffrey uh, was a, played under uh, the franchise tag this past year. As you look forward to 2017, Tom, can he be a – first of all, do you think he's a bear this coming year? And can he be a top 10 wide receiver next year, depending upon where he lands? Uh, <laughs> big question mark. Big question mark there. Um, I, I, don't, I don't trust him. I, I think – here in Chicago, I would say most of the fans here are disappointed with him overall. Uh, he's, he's not reliable. Um, uh, I, he's, you know, he's got, you know, he's had, I think he's had injuries in college. It's, he's had injuries every season uh, that he's played in the pros. Um, I don't think he looked that great when he did play. And, uh, you know, great players usually make, other players around them great too. I mean, you know, you got some of these, when you talk about a great running a receiver, usually that great receiver ends up making that quarterback great. And I'm not sure if he's that guy. I'm not sure if he can make the people around him great. So that means he can't, if he can't be great, then they can't be. So I, I, to me, I, I'm, I'm frustrated with Alshon as a fan, but in fantasy football, you know, I think he'll be. I think he'll be. And he was actually one of the names I had on that list, and I didn't mention him. But I think he'll be overdrafted because I don't think people know him like they know, like we know them. I, you know, outside of Chicago, maybe they see him in a different light. But um, he can't stay healthy, and uh, if he stays in Chicago. I don't know what you're going to get at the quarterback position. Uh, so uh, he has to really end up landing in the right place with the right offensive scheme and he has to stay healthy and yes he can then end up being really good but I don't think he'll be great I don't think he'll be a top 10 receiver that's for sure I wouldn't put him in the top 10 and uh um so that's how I feel I don't know if he's gonna John you know you may have a little more of an opinion on this you think you know Alshon's gonna be here next year um I'm not sure uh he's he's the way he's kind of not running his mouth. I mean, he's talking about the Bears, you know, if you win the Super Bowl next year and doing these kind of things, and they got the guys to do it. You know, the NFL is almost like any, you know, it's it's not like almost any other sport. You can't, the NFL, some teams you'll see a team go from 4-12 and to to 11-5 and or 12-4, and but, you know, that's usually somebody that had some kind of stability, you know, at the quarterback position. But he, yeah, like you, you hit it right on the head, Tom. I mean, you know, Alshon, you know, when he was in college, I mean, he looked like a world beater, but then he was hurt. You know, he comes to Chicago, he gets hurt. You know, he gets hurt, he gets suspended. I mean, he tries to say the right things, but he's not, you know, he's a team killer. Like you said, if you overdraft him and you miss him for five, six games a year, that, that, that kills your team if he's your number one receiver. You know, your team, your fantasy team, as well as the team that has him, because you're investing money you know, and money into a guy that is can't stay on the field. You know, you got to be able to stay on the field. I mean, and, and he's never proved that. And that's why I don't think, I really don't think another team in NFL is going to give him the contract he thinks he deserves. 
unless right, some right. team is very desperate. I mean, does he want to go to Cleveland? I mean, they got money to spend. I think they have the. I don't know if Cleveland's got the most cap room, but you know, who, where do you go? And I don't think a team. I think they watched it. He got his PED suspension. So what if something happens with that again? I think that's a a year long suspension. If he screws up or something, you know, if he drops dirty on something, he could. He might not play for a year. I think if you got that four yeah. game, I think the next one's either ten or yeah. ten games yeah. or a year. So you can't count yeah. him, like you said, Tommy. It's <laughs> frustrating as a Bear fan because he's got every tool in the book. You know, he's big, strong. He's got speed. He, you know, he can get that jump ball. You know, with the best of them in the league. But when you're on the sidelines in a warm up, you're not going to be. Uh, you're not going to be helping your team at all. Yeah, excellent stuff, guys. I certainly appreciate this insight, not only on, on Alshon Jeffrey, the great stuff from Jordan Howard that you guys had on Jordan Howard uh, as well. That That is uh, exactly what we're looking for. And we are going to uh, dip further into your fantasy minds right after this break when we have you answer some listener emails. I'm Eric Balkman on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour with John Modeff and Tom Zaretic, the FFPC off-the-grid champions for 2016. You are listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Conference Championship Weekend is here, and we are bringing you some uh, some great fantasy advice for 2017 and sort of recapping what happened in 2016. Nobody better to do it than John Modev and Tom Zaretic of the Chi-Town franchise and the Fantasy Football Players Championship, winning the Off the Grid Challenge this year and the $10,000 plus that went along with it. Let's get into some emails, gentlemen. <laughs> a question for Eric, Dave, or tonight's guest, send them a tweet at HSFF Hour on Twitter. Email the show at HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com. Post it in the chat room during the broadcast. Hashtag your tweet with HSFF or just smack Eric in the head. That's HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com or at HSFF Hour on Twitter. We'll pitch this uh, first email to Tom. This is from Tony in Spring Grove, Minnesota. Hello, HSFF Hour. The season is over for me as a Vikings fan, and I am already looking at free agents to be. Are there any that you're looking at to see where they land, or is this more of a ho-hum class for fantasy for you all? Love your podcast. That's Tony in Spring Grove, Minnesota. Tom, I, I don't know if you have any strong feelings on the free agent class. I, you know, John touched on it earlier. Le'Veon Bell's a free agent. I don't think any of us think that he's going to get away from Pittsburgh. I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, restricted free agents that will end up staying with their teams. For me right now, I mean, there's not a particular name that's, that's really standing out to me that, that, that I'm super excited about because I don't think that they'll be moving or switching teams or I just don't expect a, a ton from, for, from fantasy, uh, you know, from the fantasy value uh, aspect of it, is there any free agents out there that you think uh, could be interesting, depending upon where they land? Uh, yeah, that's a that's an interesting topic, and uh, uh, kudos to the guy in Minnesota for bringing this up. Uh, I, I feel I feel it's a very ho hum kind of free agency coming into this when it comes to like receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, you know, players like that where offensive players like um but uh you know like you said bell isn't going to go anywhere um you know and you know there, i think latavius murray is he a unrestricted free agent i don't know i believe is, that's but, correct yeah uh it'd be interesting to see what they do there they've got some guys in the back behind him uh i i wouldn't be surprised if he's looking for you know a big payday he's young he's 25 he's He's pretty. He's pretty good. Um, I, 
be interesting what happens there if they try to retain him or not. Uh, I think, uh, but other than that, there's really no superstars that are going to go anywhere. Uh, so what I actually found interesting um, when you talk about free agency, I look at the offensive line and see what teams are really, you know, solidifying their O line and pay attention to that. You see these guys that, like, shore up that offensive line and it ends up making that, that, that quarterback or that running back or that wide receiver better. And uh, uh, so watch out for that because there are some teams that uh, really their offensive line hurt them a lot. And if, they, if there's some big, a lot of moves, not big moves, but if they do a lot of moves or they sign a lot of free agent offensive linemen, quality ones and you, you see the you know the durability behind those that were signed and where they came from and what their grade is you're gonna may want to follow that and be interested in that running back or receiver or and on that team uh so uh that's about it and and you know you can like your old line uh can make it make or break uh, the production of your fantasy football players that you draft. So pay attention to the offensive line and where people are, if teams are losing them or, or if, and what teams are losing their offensive starting linemen and which teams are getting them. And uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Often, I was just going to say offensive line and I'm with you, Tom. I think it's so underrated when we talk about free agency and, and how these things affect not only the running backs, but the quarterbacks, the receivers, the tight ends. I mean, it, it has such an impact on the offense. And I think that as much as we want to pay attention to what running back signing where, what receiver is going to hit, you know, what new team, I think offensive line definitely is something that, uh, that we need to pay uh, just as much uh, attention to as well. Uh, John, let's, let's uh, pitch this one uh, to you here. This is from uh, Jack in La Mesa, California. We have a bunch of new coaches and coordinators hired for next season. Who is going to help or hurt the fantasy value of the studs on his new team the most? Hope Balky's Packers lose. That is Jack in La Mesa, California. Well, Jack, thank you for the email. Thank you for the positive love on the Packers this weekend. It, you know, John, we have, okay, we have Anthony Lynn in San Diego. We have uh, Sean McVay. Over in Los Angeles, we have Sean McDermott um, coaching Buffalo. Uh, we have Vance Joseph in Denver. I mean, there, there's and, – and, you know, San Francisco obviously, you know, may or may not hire Kyle, Kyle Shanahan. We believe that he uh, probably will uh, be the next head coach there. But we have a bunch of coordinators and head coaches set. Is there any – I mean, what's the impactful one? Or, or are these new guys in, in these new places not going to have the impact that, um, that we might expect – with philosophy changes and offensive uh, changes with these new teams? Um, you know, an interesting, that, that's a great question, too. I didn't do much research, but when you're looking at McVay going from, going from Washington over to L.A., you know, it, can he bring a little magic to that team? Like Tommy is saying, you know, you got, you got a few pieces, or you got guys like, you know, Todd Gurley. You got, a, you got an absolute stud running back, but, you know, you're just sitting there. Is Jared Goff going to be the answer? Is he, is he going to be the guy that can – you know, improve his game next year to make the guys around him better. You know, you already got a stud running back, but, you know, with that offensive line. But McVay, you know, that Washington offense was very explosive. I mean, he took, you know, you're looking at, you know, an offense that, you know, just, you know, move the ball. I mean, you look at, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Kirk Cousins is a stud and whatnot. I mean, if he can, if he can get Goff to his potential in L.A., I think that, he he might be able to have something there. You know, also Vance Joseph in Denver, he, you know, he's he's a guy that, 
you know, they got weapons there. You're looking, you know, looking at Emmanuel Sanders, Marius Thomas. You're looking at, you know, we'll see what, what happens with the running back position if they're going to keep C.J. Anderson or, you know, whatnot with uh, Booker. But, I mean, he's got some guys there, so I don't know who he's bringing in to run his offense. I haven't seen that yet, but that's something to watch, too, is who's, who's there in Denver, and do they, do they put stock in Paxton Lynch? Do they live, you know, leave Trevor Simeon as a quarterback? But those two places, I mean, McDermott, I don't know what he's going to do there, especially if they get rid of their quarterback, you know, without Tyrod Taylor. I don't know what, you know, I think he could, you know, I wouldn't say hurt his team, but I think he could hurt his team of, of those coaches you talked about. I'm thinking that he, you know, just depending on what he gets there, I don't know. That, that That's a tough position to run, run into there. You're looking at guys that are injured. Look at Sammy Watkins in Buffalo. He he can't stay on the field. We talk about Alshon Jeffrey. Sammy Watkins is even worse at staying on the field. But, you know, I think he would have probably the least impact would be in my book. But I think, you know, McVay and Joseph, depending on, you know, jo- who Joseph hires to run his offense, those are those are those would be my two guys to watch. Yeah, I, th- I think that you make a lot of good points there. I think they hired my, uh, Vance Joseph has Mike McCoy back in Denver now running oh, yeah. things. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yep, yep, yep. That, that should be pretty and, good. And, and so like you said, John, offense, he's but... going to have those pieces there. Lynch, Thomas, Sanders, uh, you know, Anderson, Booker. I mean, that that's going to be an exciting yeah. team uh, to watch, uh, you know, with, with what mm-hmm. Mike McCoy has been able to achieve as, as a pretty successful offensive coordinator in the NFL. I think that that – is uh, is going to be an exciting one for fantasy. We do have time for one last email. Rob is telling me here, so I'm going to make it a good one. We'll pitch out. We'll throw out some names on this one. John, you can kick us off, and then and then Tom, uh, fire away after him. But um, uh, he writes, uh, this is Quentin in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Excuse me. Hi, Balky and Gerzak upgrades. Well, clearly you guys have been upgrades on Dave tonight. Can you give me a rookie draft primer? on who you expect the top picks to be for Dynasty this season. Thank you for the email, Quentin. John, uh, I'll throw this to you first. Uh, Rookies, we don't know where they're going to land yet. Most rookie drafts take place after the NFL draft. But some of the rookies that you're excited about potentially owning in Dynasty this year. Uh, Well, in my Dynasty team, I didn't have a very good year, so I do have a number one pick because I won basically the toilet bowl. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have my pick. Now, the two, the two main guys I'm watching because I'm very thin at running back are Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook. You know, Fournette, is, he's, he's the prototypical big, strong, fast Adrian Peterson stud, you know, that coming out of LSU that can be that dominant guy, can be that Ezekiel Elliott, depending on where he lands. Now, Dalvin Cook is also a game-breaker, you know, a guy that can run like 4 3 at, down in Florida State, they can just bust open a game, but still strong enough to run over some people. So those those two guys right there, and I don't want to take all of them. I don't want you know leave a few for for Tommy there. <laughs> those are my Thanks. two main guys that I got to make the decision on after the draft on who I'm taking number one in my dynasty league because you know it, it's it, a lot of it will depend on where they land. You know, th- out of those two running backs, I think they're both studs, but you know they're you know. <laughs> Where they land will make make my decision a lot easier. So I'll, I'll pass it off to Tommy. I don't want to take a few of these other guys I'd like to talk about, but uh, I'll, let, I'll let him. Thanks, John. Uh, you know, collaborate, Thanks, John. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be quick on this. Uh, uh, first, John, you should have drafted me for your dynasty draft. Maybe you wouldn't be playing in the toilet bowl. So shame on you for not inviting me to that. <laughs> but uh, uh, for uh, rookies, uh, you know. I, 
I like there's something about that Corey Davis guy that really seems to really tickle my fancy. I think if he lands in the Wait, right place. Mm. Yeah, is he a Chicago? He's man? a local right guy. Yep. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wheaton yeah. left the South, I you believe. <laughs> yeah. Is that is it Wheaton? Okay, so he's out of I'm the West sure. of Chicago. So this guy, he's got size, he's got hands, he's got he's got everyone praises his route running skills and He's older. I think he's been there four years. So I think when you get mm-hmm. that type of player who's a little older, who's got those who, – when, when coaches are praising or, uh, his uh, route running, that, then he's got what he needs to be instantly productive at the next level, uh, uh, especially when it comes to route running because that is something that they preach all the time at, the, you know, at, the, at that level is just, you know, play, you know, these rookies getting – understanding the playbook – and running the routes correctly. And if Corey is Davis has that down already, then he's got the basis to be, be productive um, in, in the next. And he's got the size. So, and, you know, he's older. So I think him and Mike Williams looked really impressive down the stretch, I thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially in that big game in the, in the BCS. I mean, God, he's got size. He's got hands. He's got that competitive edge. You got to think he's just going to be an instant production if he's at the next level. And then you don't hear enough. I mean, I think Deshaun Watson, I mean, what a electrifying player, you know. So when you, if he falls in the right spot, maybe Houston, <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. He, he, he's going to be flying all over the place. And then to have Fuller and D-Hop to throw to, uh, and then have that running game, I mean, God, he can really – if he falls in the right place, he could be a big surprise. Well, not in my book, but, to, you know, to the, uh, to the fans of the NFL. That, but I think he's just got such raw talent that he can really do some great things at the next level instantly. So those are my guys. Yeah, I think the the thing that I take away, and by the way, I agree with you with, with all four of those guys. I think the thing I take away from this, I'm very excited about uh, this rookie class for dynasty purposes. I think there's a lot of playmakers out there. Fournette and Cook are going to be awesome. I think Davis is going to make an excellent pro as well, and Deshaun Watson could end up being a, a franchise quarterback that runs a team for 15 years too. I mean, it, this is it's going to be a good year. It was a great show. It was a great time having you guys on tonight. John Modaf, Tom Zaretic, the 2016 FFPC off-the-grid champions. Thank you so much for spending your Thursday evening with me talking fantasy and, and enlightening me and the Thank listeners of, of how you guys were, were able to achieve greatness last year. I wish you nothing but the best of luck in 2017 and uh, maybe even a more prosperous yeah. year. Thanks so much for coming yeah, on the show, well, guys. We look forward yeah, to thank doing you, Eric. it here. We'll, we'll look forward to doing it next year when we win it again. So thank there you, you go. We'll have, we'll have you back on. You guys be good. Have a great night. <laughs> All right, you too. Take care. Bye. John Modaf, Tom Zaretic, the 2016 FFPC Off the Grid Champions. Uh, What a great show it was, and it was awesome having them on. That is going to do it for our show. A bit of housekeeping. I want to thank John and Tom for coming on tonight. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, you for listening in. Dave will be back next week, and we will have on 2016 Varsity number 2, $20,000 champion Lauren Brown. He will be on this show as our guest next week. That will be awesome. I want uh, everybody to enjoy the content.
Conference Championships on Sunday. Hopefully everybody roots the Packers onto the Super Bowl. I know I will be. And I'll be ice fishing this weekend. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I gotta go, cause I got me a drop top, and if I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop. Had to stop at a red light, looking in my mirror, not a jacker in sight. And the list of potential replacements for Gerzak on this show grows by two tonight. What a treat. It went like butter. And uh, hopefully I stay warm out on the ice. Have a great weekend, everybody. And I'll talk to you next week.